calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving god, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. This is John Roca, one third of the Geek Buddies with this awesome ad for you. If you like this show and you want to make your own and some of you reached out and asked us about making your own podcast, well, let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never heard before. Go ahead and let your freak flag fly. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more places. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Take it from us here at the Geek Buddies. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now, on with the Geek Buddies show. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of The Geek Buddies! Hey! Well, listen, we got a little less energy this time around because we've come from eating a very heavy meal at the Wood Ranch. We've also had very long days, all of us. Uh, and I'm going to speak for everybody. I have plenty of energy. I don't. Uh, I think we're, if, if you have less energy, I don't, it's not like you guys weren't really into it. So I respect it, though, because you're tired. Um, a lot of projecting going on here right now. <laughs> <laughs> the Geek Buddies projection episode. It's our new segment, projection. Uh, I am uh, John Roke. I'm a writer, uh, producer, and host um, around the world. No, just joking. Uh, here at Collider, and also co-host of the Top Ten Show, The Cinephiles, uh, and this show. Uh, I am Michael Vogel. I am a uh, writer and producer of animated TV shows and movies and uh, very awake and alert while I do it. <laughs> and this is Shannon McClung. I'm an animation writer and a television actor where you may have seen me on the Orville Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and The People vs. O.J. Simpson. Yeah, we're going to see you soon on a TV show oh. that can't be named. Oh, can't say it, can't say it. <laughs> um, but yeah, for those of you who are listening to us for the first time, thank you so much. Thank you. It's very kind of you to Welcome, come on. Welcome, you guys. Yeah. And girls. And yeah. others. And, right. 
We're, we're, we're a non-gender uh, binary. What is the term? We're just a very gender fluid show. There it is. Gender fluid. I can't, you know, the kids nowadays, it's hard to catch up. Um, that's what I was that's what I would say. But yeah, if you don't know what we do on this show, we uh, run through some geek news items and then we get into a main topic. Uh, our main topic this week is going to obviously be the Spider-Man story. That is massive. Uh... It's consuming social media. And as we're recording this, it's pretty much uh, uh, like, I don't know, just consuming pop culture because people are worried about what's going to happen to Spider-Man. I hear the band's getting ready to storm Sony, which I really <laughs> hope happens just because I want to see what happens. We want to storm you about this fictional character. I don't know. I don't I don't, know what, like, I don't know what you like plan to accomplish when you storm Sony. Like you're going to run in and then they're going to come out and be like, what? And they're going to be like, stop. Yeah. We're it's, gonna climb- it's, it's the same plan as the folks going to storm Area 51. No, we're going to yeah. climb this rainbow. Sony, Sony has that giant rainbow in honor of Wizard yeah. of Oz. You just climb the rainbow and just hang from it. I don't know. I just want to see what happens. I yeah. wonder what would happen if you had a shoot. Like if you just, well, I don't want to be, be on top. But if you had like a real battle, like people showing up in security, like having to pull out the guns and it becomes a whole thing. Are, are, are you talking like people As like a actual, black comedy. Actual, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Not actually. I mean like a black comedy type thing. I thought thing. you were talking fans actually storming the gates no, no, of no, Sony no. Pictures. I think it'd be a funny scene in a movie. Okay. Right? Yeah. Storming a studio about a superhero and everyone is just going about their day trying to work. It sounds like and most, keep their job. Most protests involving <laughs> film or TV, it's a lot of bark, not a lot of bites. Yeah, uh, of course it is. Michael and I were driving past the... <laughs> <laughs> the Netflix headquarters the other day, and we saw one lone picketer saying, Netflix, save the OA. <laughs> I did feel bad for her. You are joking. <laughs> she if, was all by herself, but she had that sign. I felt bad for her. Was it a YouTube person or no? No, there was no oh, one there. Okay. If, 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 the, if the building had been by a stoplight, I would have taken a photo. Yeah, well, <clears throat> nothing tells you a show should be canceled that only one person coming out to protest its cancellation, <laughs> I feel like. Don't you? I just feel bad for her. That's fair. That's fair. I know. It's hot in L.A. right now. <laughs> no one should love the OA that much. Um, uh, but anyway, uh, if you – how are you guys doing? We haven't t- – let's check in with each other before we jump into this new geek news item thing. How are you guys doing? What's going on in your worlds? Yeah, everything's going well. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm riding a little, bit of a little bit of a wave. I was up for another show. Show that I did not get. Okay, okay. But, but I was, but I was in the final. I was in the final mix. You mean as an actor? Yeah. You're also right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, and I got to, I got to pitch on a, on a new animated series mm-hmm. last week on a very well known property. Yeah. Which, which uh, Mr. Vogel was very uh, graciously helped me with. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, and it seemed to I'm go a helpful well. guy. Oh God. Yeah. What What are you up to? I am getting ready to leave for a week uh, for the yeah. desert. I'm heading to Burning Man next yeah. week. Uh, so yeah, I've been actually kind of kind of splitting this week with getting a bunch of work wrapped up. Uh, I'm developing a couple different shows yeah. for uh, for a Canadian studio and uh, have a bunch of things that I need to turn in before Friday. We sent the truck off today with the early crew to go build the camp. Uh, it's very exciting, and uh, I will fly out of LAX on Saturday and fly into the desert. How many years is this now that you're going to Burning Man? This will be my 11th year going to Burning Man. Have you gone to Comic-Con more than Burning Man? Yes. Okay. I think Comic-Con probably has like two or three more uh, in it than Burning Man does. Like, oh, I think- okay. And this yeah. is your first year flying, though, right? This is my first year flying. I've always driven in, so this is the first yeah. year flying. So I'm very excited about that. Uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's 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 people who are geeks in a completely different way than we are. Have you brought Geek Buddies postcards to promote the show? Yes. <sighs> I, commercialism you know, is okay out there. Commercialism right? is, it, is not okay what? out there. It's actually against the rules. But I can uh, 
I can I can casually tell people over uh, mm-hmm. over mm-hmm. Uh, questionable substances that they should check out our podcast. Yeah. So, right, right, because it's the desert and the food is de- that's the questionable substance. The food is not. Uh, the food is not good in the desert? There's really good food in the desert. I have there I went to a grilled cheese restaurant one year where I what? got served grilled cheese sandwiches. I got served waffles from a bunch of drag queens on an art car what? one year. Um yeah, what? there's been waffles? there's some really exciting food. Sometimes you're just wandering through the desert and somebody like walks up with a cooler and takes out like a popsicle and gives it to you. Like there's just people just giving you food all over the place. It's great. You look very suspicious right now. Mm. Free food in a desert with a lot of drugs would unsettle me. <laughs> Here, drink this. 24 hours later, I don't know where I've been. I mean, that is not a, uh, that is, that is not a unique story at Burning Man. <laughs> <laughs> Many people have probably had that story. A lot of people make fun of Burning Man. I'm certainly people listening maybe have had their jokes at Burning Man. So some people who are listening probably enjoy it and go or, or don't have a problem with it. But what is it you get out of it when you go? Like, why do you go? What, what is it that brings you back to it over and over again? I think like, – like people always ask me, like, oh, well, they think it's like a big uh, – it's a bunch of partying and people drinking and doing drugs and doing crazy mm-hmm. stuff and dancing to like really ridiculous like ravey music in the desert. And all of that is true. Yeah. That, is, that is accurate. But I think it's also like there's really like ridiculous – like people build art projects the likes of which you don't see. Yeah. And there's no reason for them except they're just awesome. So – there was one year that I went where people built a life-size Trojan horse. Wow. Like, and I mean a life-size Trojan horse. Like it was like four stories tall on wheels and you could crawl up inside of it and there was a little bar inside of it. Huh. And then in the, near the end of the week, it had this giant rope and they got like two or 300 people to like roll it out to the middle of the desert. They set it on fire. Like they just burned it to the ground. <laughs> were people inside? I mean, I hope not. Okay. But, uh, but no, but I mean, so I just think that there's like, there's really cool random things. Yeah. One year I randomly found uh, a guy that was in a Zoltar machine, like from oh, Big. yeah. But it was an actual guy inside of it and he had little lines on his face to make him look like a puppet and he had strings attached to his hands and it had a big button that said press the button and you press the button and a bunch of music played and it said make your wish and then you'd make a wish and he would – tell you your fortune. But it was just a dude who just, I think he probably stood there for days. I don't know. <laughs> I hope somebody fed him. I don't know. Was the booth sort of isolated or was it amongst a bunch of stuff? No, it was kind of in the middle of nowhere. It was just kind of uh. sitting there. So I just think, I love the ridiculousness of it. Okay. I love the silliness of it. Uh, I think that there is, like I said, I think there is sort of a geekiness to Burning Man. Yeah. Like people who love to just like build things for the sake of building them. Uh, and so you just spend a week sort of riding the bike. Like people don't realize how big it is. Like when you say it's 70,000 people, it's like the size of a not so small city. Like yeah. it's a it's a decent sized city, and just like going to visit any city, there's art pieces to look at, there's bars, there's clubs, <laughs> there's parties that you want to go to, and it's people from all over. And the it's world. people from all over the world. So you wow. just spend a week kind of having this ridiculous, silly adventure, and then you come back to uh, your regular life and you settle back in. Oh, okay, all right. We've we've not made that leap yet. Uh, you and I, John. I think I'm too old. My girlfriend told me the other day as we were driving. I can no longer – I've crossed the line of being able to go to the, the electric Disney car, Daisy Carnival or whatever it EDC? is. EDC? EDC. She said you're too fucking old to go to EDC. I mean I EDC. think we are all too old. Like Burning Man and EDC are two different things. I think, I think we're okay. all too old to go to EDC. Yeah. She's like no 25-year-old wants you rubbing up on them while you're listening to it. And I'm like, yeah, I guess you're right. I guess you're right. Because I love EDM music and not being able to go to EDC, which is something I always wanted to go to, is a pain. It's a shame. Maybe we'll but, go. We'll just, but we'll stand in the back. 
I don't want to go like a chaperone. Next next to security. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was thinking more like VIP section, but sure, security. Okay, too. okay. I could go that route. I don't know if I would do it. Like I said, I don't I don't like to sh- I like to shower every day. I like my creature comforts well, as well. You see you can shower. Burning no, Man. Burning Man, this, I mean, yeah. We have a shower this year. The camp that we're camping with has is building a giant shower. It's like four feet off the ground and we can only take a certain number of and it's not a certain number of showers, it's a certain number of gallons. Over the course of the week that we are allotted, so you can either take like a, like a bunch of small showers or a couple bigger showers. But I'll I'll get back to you guys on how that goes. Do you okay. remember uh, a few years ago when we did the rock race, the ridiculous obstacle course race? The oh three yeah, of us yeah. And, and our friend Justin Bowler. Yeah. And so you know it's it's one of these it's it's a it's a mud run. So yes. you know at the end of it, at the end of the five k, you are you're you're drenched, you're disgusting. And they had that sort of big kind of communal shower. And that was when Vogel had said like this is like Burning Man, and I hated that communal yeah. shower. Yeah. So much. Well, maybe you should stay home. I'm, I'm you stay home. Oh, I'm aware of that. Yeah. I think we're both too finicky to go. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Um, just real quick, well, I'm, I'm not either of you asked, but in case anyone's interested, I'm working on a number of things here at Collider. I've started to write a little bit more on the site, which is nice. You'll see some blurbs of mine on some of those uh, more novelty-type articles. I just did a couple of junkets for Ready or Not and for Blinded by the Light, which people should go see, Blinded by the Light and Ready or Not. Excellent movie. Yep. Both of them are. Uh, I've seen them both. Both of them are. Uh, also, the, the deep cut is in full swing. A number of guests already this week. Um, and I just really – one kind of feather on my cap was recently just had an interview with Woody Page from Around the Horn, ESPN. For me, trying to build that sports channel, it's kind of nice to have an interview with him uh, as part of it. So that's my life. And that's I love, awesome. And but, I love my girlfriend. But, John, how are you? <laughs> Tired as balls. <laughs> but it's worth it. It's a lot of fun. All right. Let's jump into this. Are you guys ready? Let's ready. jump in. All right. What's our, who's, our, who's doing our first news item? That would be me. Okay. So it was announced uh, on this past Tuesday that uh, by Warner Brothers that they are doing The Matrix 4. Ooh. Keanu Reeves, Carrie Ann Moss with uh, Lana Wachowski by herself at the helm, writing yep. and directing. Now, the last time we saw the the way that Matrix th- 3 closed out, it looked like <clears throat> Trinity had, had died. Yes. And it looked like Neo was probably dead, too. But then the Oracle and oh, what was the bad what was the bad guy's name? Was it uh, Colonel Sanders? Colonel that's, Sanders. That's the one. Yeah, was Will Ferrell. <laughs> they, uh, the Oracle seemed to have left the possibility open that maybe Neo wasn't gone. Right now, I was not. Uh, uh, I loved the first Matrix. The second one left me wanting, and I thought the third one. I'm like, this was better, but this this is not going down as a trilogy that I'm a big yeah. fan right. of. Yeah. How do we feel about a fourth chapter of this series? Excited? I, I think you I said mean, that with a question mark. Well, I think that everybody kind of has a similar. Uh, I think most people have a similar reaction to the Matrix that you just said, which is I think we all uh, remember seeing the Matrix for the first time, and it was yeah. just a revolutionary movie that kind of changed movies for all of us. I mean, it just was like we had never seen anything like it. And with Matrix Two and then Matrix Three, it was like they didn't really deliver on the promise of the first one. Uh, they weren't disasters by any mm-hmm. means, but they also... The second one was pretty close. Sure, but I mean, but I, I, I guess I'm thinking in the in the terms of like the geek movies and the franchises that we love, yeah. there are things that like don't land and you're disappointed. And then there's things that are just like abject disasters. Okay, and, but but let me jump, let me okay. jump real quick. Uh, just because they shot two and three back to back. Can you name another franchise that where it went off the rails so bad and, and did, not, did not really bring it back? You won't like my answer, but yes, I can. What? Back to the Future. 
You don't like part three? Don't like part three at all. Don't like part two either. Yeah. Part two is like, let's all get high and see what we can figure out. Part three basically is part one set up in the West. So there's nothing inventive about it. But I didn't walk out of either of those movies disappointed the way I did out of Reloaded and Revolutions. Fair. I mean, look, I'm not, I'm not defending Reloaded and right. Revolutions. I know you're not. What I'm saying is I think everybody loves the first one, has middling to disappointed views of the second and third one. Um, but I think that we all love the world of The Matrix so much and the fact that Lana Wachowski is coming back to do it, the fact that Keanu and Carrie are coming back to do it, the fact that it kind of feels like the old crew back together. I know that we had talked a few weeks ago, more than a few weeks ago, about the rumors of like Michael B. Jordan coming in yeah, yeah. and taking over the role of what, of Neo or a new Neo. And, you know, we said that that was exciting because we love Michael B. Jordan. But I think the idea that the Matrix franchise is continuing on with the original team, I think is really interesting. Mm-hmm. I like it too. I'm 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 cautiously optimistic because I I don't mind people going back to try to fix something. You know, you could argue Stallone after Rocky Five coming back 16 years later kind of saved that franchise again. And now people, if it was to ever end, people it, it will end with a positive feeling amongst yeah. most of the fan base. So there's a possibility of coming back. To this I even like Blade Runner 2049. I know a lot of people don't, but I certainly loved it, and I think it's a great continuation of that, even though it's 30 years later. Um, so with this, uh, I liked it. Is coming back. Keanu is older now. So, what version of Neo are we getting? Carrie Ann Moss is older now. Uh, what version of Trinity are we getting? There's rumors, and Justin Crow kind of well, from Variety kind of kiboshed this idea of Michael Jordan, Michael B. Jordan ever being involved in it. Um, but they are possibly casting a young Morpheus. So, is this a prequel, or is this like in the third one where they talked about that this is a loop that constantly happens? Are we starting with Morpheus at a younger age, and Neo trying to break this loop is coming back into the Matrix? Oh yeah, that could be interesting. With Trinity, that could be phenomenal. I also think it's really cool. I mean, there's a. I was reading an article today. Like this is also a, a first and a really big first. Like Lana Wachowski directing a giant. Uh, a huge global franchise movie. This is the biggest movie that a trans director uh, and a trans writer has ever done before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is also kind of revolutionary in that sense, which I think is really, really amazing. Just because uh, since since she is one of the original directors and uh, writers and producers of the original, she gets to come on and do this. Like yeah. there's, I, there's, I can't think of another world where. Uh, in the current state of everything where a trans writer, trans director would be given a movie of this magnitude. And I think that's just pretty awesome and amazing. Is yeah. it because she's doing it solo? Because didn't she and her sister, didn't they do Jupiter Ascending? Yes. Weren't they – had Lily – It was the Wachowskis. Tra- tra- transition I think, to that I think point? That, uh, Wachowskis. I think that um, Jupiter Ascending was a – movie that was made that had a big budget, it's not a global franchise on the level of The Matrix. Gotcha, copy that. Mm. So now knowing that we have Bill and Ted 3 coming, we now have Matrix 4 coming, what are the odds that we're going to get Speed 3? (laughs) (laughs) Sandra Bullock. (laughs) And Jan DeBont. Sandra Bullock in a automobile. (laughs) We're also getting Bad Boys 3. That's true. Bad boys for life. It's going to be interesting like 20, 30, 40, 50 years from now, whatever it is, when people mm-hmm. look back on this era. Yeah. Because this era is just all of us taking the things that we loved from a generation ago and just doubling down. Yeah. I, and, I, I, and I'm not mad about it because I'm quite enjoying it. Sure, but sure. It's, it's interesting. Well, I, and I also find this uh, – and I know we have to move on, but I also find this fascinating because some people have been putting up memes on Twitter and on social media talking about, oh – 
um, somebody put up one that was a, a Neo blocking all the bullets, and the bullets are all original films. And it was Hollywood. And it's Hollywood. Right. Neo is Hollywood. And I don't think that's 100% necessarily true. Uh, but people always go back to well-tread properties to try to make them work. You know, you got to make money as a studio. That's the business. So they're going to try and do this one. And this one, I think, makes sense because people feel that this was unfinished. And they feel like they didn't stick the landing. So if you can find a way to make us forget those other two. And look, Halloween Halloween did that successfully. Terminator's going to – well, sure, but it, a sequel's coming. Yeah. Terminator Dark Fate is apparently going to try to do that. So there's possibilities here that th- this same thing could happen here with The Matrix. Not that you maybe necessarily forget 2 and 3, but that 2 and 3 isn't really referenced that much as they move on. You can right. wash the bad taste out of your mouth. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we'll see. My worry is in 10 years is there will be nothing left to reboot other than reboots of reboots. <laughs> Well, I mean, I think that that's not entirely true. I mean, I think there are things. So, it, so it is slightly true. Then, <laughs> well, we are just we just live in an era right now where we are. We live in an era right now where a lot of the geeky things that we loved as kids are just those are the things that we want to see again. That's what's popular. That's what people are doing. I do right. think that there are other franchises popping through. Maybe not fully in features at the moment, but I mean, look. Avatar The Last Airbender, one of the best animated shows ever, is now getting rebooted as a live-action show on Netflix. But there's other things like there's Steven Universe. There's these other shows. There's Mm. things that are out there in the animated sphere that 10 years from now, 20 years from now would be amazing to see live-action. So I do think there are original things coming out. I think, as we've talked about and most people say, most of the really original stuff at the moment is in television. Yeah. Um, But that stuff can be rebooted in a decade. What do they reboot The Sopranos? Yeah. Oh, it's a prequel, right? Yeah, well, that film is a prequel, but they could reboot The Sopranos as a TV show 20 years from now. That's Call awesome. it The Altos. Oh, boy. That's <laughs> uh, the female version, The Sopranos. I mean, the. Uh... Shit, I lost the joke. That was... You win. That was good, guys. God I'm damn really it. proud of myself. I'm tired. Yeah, that was good. Uh, speaking of reboots, oh, there we go. actually. Uh, and speaking of animated shows, uh, the thing that I'm super excited about that happened in the last week, uh, there was at PowerCon, which is a He-Man and the Masters of the Universe convention, uh, Kevin Smith showed up and he announced that he is uh, writing and producing a kind of follow-up to the He-Man and the Masters of the Universe animated series, mm. uh, Masters of the Universe Revelations, uh, that follows up and, and according to him – Picks up and wraps up all the loose threads left by the 80s He-Man animated series. So for whatever that means. <laughs> Do you remember a lot of loose threads from the series? I actually, when I read the art, because I loved He-Man growing up. I mean, I think that was my very first show. I actually bought He-Man and the Masters of the Universe toys before the animated show came out. Like, right. I, I remember going to the store, seeing these toys, going, oh, my God, what are these? Getting them. They had a the little comic book in the back. Mm-hmm. Uh that you kind of read and got a sense of the story. And then I feel like six months later or something, the animated show started. And I was like, oh, my God. And I that was my first animated show that I was obsessed with. Mm. Uh, so I was trying to remember, like, how the show ended. But back in the 80s, shows didn't end, like, with a – there wasn't arcs the way they are today. No, it just right. sort of, like, ended. It just ended. Each week, Skeletor tried to get into Castle Grayskull, and he didn't. And, that's, and then and they had a moral at the end because that's what every show had. Like, no. hey, kids, when you're trying to break into a castle – 
Make sure that you don't break glass. They, they did advocate breaking and entering. Yeah, <laughs> true. So, true. But I do think that there was kind of almost despite the fact that it was the 80s, kind of this epic mythology built around He-Man and the castle and the sword and the sorceress and Skeletor and what he wanted. And I think that uh, the idea of having uh, – I know it's the, it's the studio that did all the animation for Castlevania on mm. Netflix is doing mm. the animation. It's this anime version of He-Man with Kevin Smith attached and just everything about that screams – Awesomeness. Yeah, yeah, and a really impressive uh, writers' room that he has assembled. Mark Bernardin, who is uh, Kevin Smith's co-host on yep. one of his podcasts, who's a big writer. Um, mm-hmm. One of the writers from Supergirl is on there. Yeah. Uh, Tim Sheridan. Yes, from, our friend Tim Sheridan. Before we State. went to college with. Yes. <laughs> and Ted Biaselli has stuff to do. Has uh, something. To yeah, do with this our as friend well. Ted, uh, who's yeah. a big network big network executive at Netflix, and also a very very big nerd. Yeah. Probably equal to any of us, if not more so, in this room. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like I mean, what did you guys? What do you guys remember from He Man? Like favorite things about He Man? Favorite characters you want to see? Like what? I think I was like you. I think I got the toys first because I remember getting Man at Arms, the figure, and he didn't have a beard. Mm-hmm. And then you get to the animated mustache. show. He didn't have a beard. Oh, 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 mustache. oh, oh his mustache. I took. He had a beard in the Dolph Lundgren Masters of the Universe. I so. took a Sharpie marker and gave my Man at Arms toy a mustache because I was so mad that he didn't have a mustache like he did in the TV show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, this this is a series that I that I would be excited to see, uh, just because I think it is sort of it, it's it's a really it's a dense world. I mean, there's a lot of stories that I think can be told. In Eternia, and mm-hmm. uh, what was the last? The last version of the show was that that was on Cartoon Network, yeah. correct? Yeah. And it wasn't bad. It, it didn't. It didn't have that richness that I think the that we remember the old version having. So with someone like Kevin, like I'm curious, like Kevin, how, what Kevin Smith's going to bring to it? Yeah. Um, if uh, Man at Arms and Teal are going to have a, inappropriate conversations about well, you've seen a Kevin Smith movie. What are, what, what, is, what are Man in Arms and Teela going to talk about? I don't know. They're, they're father and daughter, aren't they? Yeah. They are father and daughter. I, 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 that was the wrong poll. Oh, that got really weird really quick. You said that, and I was yeah. like, ew. I'm going to have to check the explicit box on this episode. Teela and Evil Lynn. Sorry. On the anchor. There you go. Uh, yeah, you're looking at He-Man. You're looking at uh, what? Skeletor, like you said, Man in Arms, Beast Man, Battle Cat, Teela, Merman. Merman. Uh, Shannon's favorite. Stratos and Zodak, right? You got Castle Grayskull. Here's the deal. Yes, nerds, rejoice. This is exciting. However, this is Kevin Smith. Now, let's talk some truth. Let's talk some turkey. How have Kevin Smith's recent films gone? That is 100% fair, but I think because of the writer's room that he has assembled, yeah, yeah, yeah. I that's where I would place more confidence rather than okay. in him. Yeah, and I agree because Mark Bernardin is someone that I know through the Schmodown. Really cool dude. Very nice. He's been on Heroes before. Uh, I'm excited to see what they come up with, but I, Kevin gives me I excitement and that, hesitation. I also think that the with Masters of the Universe, I would look more towards Kevin Smith's comic book work. Okay. Like with Green Arrow and with Daredevil and some of the other things he did. Granted, that was a while ago. Right, right, right. But I think that uh, a Kevin Smith live action movie that is uh, that is one kind of beast. That's one kind of thing that uh, that that's one kind of itch that he scratches. Mm-hmm. And I think this itch this scratches another itch that's more that like cartoon nerdy comic booky thing. And right. I do think that a voice like Kevin Smith's brought to that brought to the world of He Man, uh, I think is way more interesting and exciting. Now, is he going to show run? Yeah. I mean, and executive producing. He's executive producing and writing. And Mike, you've show run shows. Does that mean the scripts go through you and then yeah, you if he's, put if them? He's, if he's the EP and the showrunner, then whoever's writing the episodes, whoever's writing the scripts, yeah, yeah. I mean, ultimately he gets the final 
look at it, can make whatever changes, makes what make whatever tweaks he wants. Like it will be his version of the show. It'll be his version of okay. whatever whatever story he kind of went to Mattel or Mattel came yeah. to him or however it worked. He said, "This is what I want to do. I want to do the ultimate. This is going to wrap up everything. Yeah. This is going to reveal some big things, and we're going to finally put to bed the Skeletor He Man battle once and for all. Like that's where we're at. So I'm into I'm into it. I'm excited. I hope okay. Orko gets some big 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 uh, moments. I'm I'm crossing my fingers for Gwildor. Gwildor can get out of here. <laughs> Gwildor. God, that movie. The Courtney lie. Cox movie. Hashtag oh, right. Justice for Gwildor. Dolph, does Dolph Lundgren make an appearance as no. a cameo? Frank Langella as Skeletor? Langella, maybe, even as a cameo. If, if they could get Frank Langella, they would, get, they would take know. Frank Langella. Frank is kind of old. <laughs> he plays Skeletor's granddad. <laughs> you can't do anything right. Is, is Panthor in a poss- is a possibility here? Yeah, that's the that's the cat that uh, Skeletor wrote. Right? Yeah, Panthor. Yeah. Yeah. Panthor's got to be in this thing, right? Yeah. All right. Means All of right. transportation. <laughs> it's got to get around somehow. What was what, I always get uh, Thundercats and and He Man confused. Panthro. Panthro. Thundercats. Right. Right. There it is. In my old age, I get him confused. Lion-O, Tigra, Chitara, Panthro, Wily oh. Kit, Wily Cat, Snarf. You got to tell me about Chitara. Um. Who is who the main, who's the villain in Thundercats again? Mumra. Mumra. And Mumra's the one that's the skinny guy who becomes the big dude, right? He's the mummy who turns into like the big right. jacked. Whereas Skeletor has the more ah, gah, 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 that kind of voice, right? Skeletor. So are we gonna change that? I hope not. Okay. Skeletor, what? Skeletor is sort of known now for having the best ridiculous insults of every bad guy in the eighties. Ah, <laughs> like, oh, you nincompoop. Yeah. Yeah. Like he shades like nobody's like, business. Like who? Like he? He was? He was like the gay queen uh, villain in the eighties more so than anybody else. He's like don't disagree. The best thing he ever did, and if you look this up, uh, you can find the gift pretty easily. Is he went through a mirror that was a portal to another world, but he was really mad, or he didn't want anyone to follow him, so he goes through the mirror, reaches back through the mirror with his fist, and punches the mirror breaking it that is a that is a bitch queen move yeah. that is ah, I'm going through this portal but you're not ah, like he, he was the best surrounded by idiots just trying to get into that castle it's like so this. hard to find good help in Eternia if it goes that route I'm down god love that me, sounds love me funny. some Skeletor it's certainly possible uh, all right, so we'll see what happens with that as it goes along. Uh, certainly there'll be updates on that because this is going to take a while. And anyway, yeah. show, it's going to be a bit. But Netflix, you know, doing their thing, kind of walking back Netflix, into the 80s. Netflix is doing some great stuff. I mean, next, Netflix has She-Ra and the Princesses yep. of Power right now. Yep. So obviously He-Man's like, it's a great place to have both of them as a home. Like Crossover. God, I would love it. It's got to happen. I do wonder about it because if anybody's a fan of She-Ra, I mean, they've really, they, they've stuck pretty close to her origin mm-hmm. in that they've mentioned Eternia. They've revealed that she is from Eternia. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that is the origin, and they've they've not quite gotten around to. You have a twin brother, right. but uh, I, I'm wondering how far. I, I don't know quite what the rules are between what DreamWorks has the rights to do with Shira versus what they are allowed to do with He Man. So I'm curious as to how far they can go. Uh, but I'm, I'm as you know, they just did the season three. Six episodes came out. And uh, they're moving along with her origin story, and I'm not quite sure how far they're going to go. Yeah. But maybe they can work out a deal where they can use a character from another company mm-hmm. that always works. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think I like that idea. Um, all right, should we move on to the next one? Yeah. All right. So the, uh, two trailers came out this week of interest for all three of us. Uh, I will lead the way. Uh, politician, the politician from Ryan Murphy on Netflix. Speaking of Netflix, and uh, the new Rambo. 
Last Blood, supposedly, trailer, a teaser trailer, that, which was weird to drop a teaser trailer right before the movie's about to come out in a few weeks, which was only a minute and five seconds. But let's start with the, uh, the politician. This was insane. It's insane. Right? It's like it leaves you breathless. You watch that trailer and you're left breathless at the end because so many things happen so quickly. You're like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, I, I found that Ben Platt plays the lead character mm-hmm. in this thing. And uh, we see Jessica Lange, Gwyneth Paltrow, so many people. But it's essentially like that old Alexander Payne film, Election on Steroids. Yeah. It feels like that. And in our political times now where people seem to be more aware of politics, whether they want to talk about them or not, whether they want to engage in the online battles about it or not, they're aware of it in a higher level, I think, than most people have ever been aware of politics in quite some time, maybe since the 60s. And so uh, this seems like a perfectly timely uh, uh, series to come out with, especially because the main character says in the trailer, I'm going to be president. Nothing's going to stop me. And then someone comes along that could short circuit this possibility for him. Yeah, I think, um, you know, Ryan Murphy, uh, Ryan Murphy's hit or miss for me because I think Ryan Mm. Murphy's always a hit at the beginning and then a miss down the road. Like, Ryan Murphy always starts strong. Ryan Murphy has amazing ideas. He comes out with shows. They are original. They are glossy. Like, it's just every line is like just it hits. Like, it's great. And then it sort of meanders. So I really feel like with Netflix with sort of a shorter season uh, for him to deal with as opposed to like a network show, I think these are going to just come out and just like kill uh, and then hopefully that sustains if it's a I, I don't know if this is a one and done season. I don't know right. if he's planning on this continuing on. Like I, I have no idea. But the trailer was amazing. Yeah. The most amazing part of the trailer based on the Internet reaction and my own viewing yeah. is Jessica Lang's line where she says, I don't know what's wrong about calling gay people butt munchers. That's what they do. Munch butt and celebrate Halloween. Yeah. Gay America instantly heard that, recognized the truth in it, embraced it, and we love us some Jessica Lang. It was mm-hmm. the best line in the trailer. It I can't wait to see this. Yeah. Yeah, and I think when you get Ryan Murphy in that sort of satirical satirical genre, I mean, uh, like the the election with like Will Ferrell yeah. and Zach Galifianakis. Uh, Zach Galifianakis. The campaign. The, oh, the campaign, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I thought that. The trailer looked very, very funny. The movie was fine. I think this is probably going to deliver on where that failed to in that you're going to have sort of this biting commentary along with, like, some really, really funny humor. And Jessica Lange in a blonde wig and playing, you know, sort of like, you know, the mom, like a mom from hell. I mean, yeah. I think that I think it's going to be really, really funny. Yeah, I like, I like, and I think uh, Paltrow being in this uh, gives it a nice little kind of um, elevated element. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, Jessica's cool. She's been on American Horror Story for quite some time now. Jumping into this, but having Paltrow gives it a little more Hopefully shine. Paltrow remembers the people that she's in the TV show with this time. Oh boy! <laughs> Just like she can't really remember anyone she's in a Marvel movie with, but maybe she'll maybe she'll remember these guys. I love that clip. That was so funny. Um, yeah, you, you got a cast here that includes Bob Balaban, uh, uh, Lucy Boynton, who's fantastic, uh, Laura Dreyfus, Zoe Deutsch, uh, Jessica Lange, as we said, Dylan McDermott has a nice little quick cameo here, playing the same role as uh, in the campaign. Yeah, in the campaign, right? Like. Exactly. Uh, Bette Midler. Is in this? What? Is in the cast list right now? January Jones is in the cast list right now. Here, according to IMDb, uh, Terry Sweeney. Remember Terry Sweeney from SNL, the gay guy from SNL in the nineteen eighties cast. Oh yeah, Terry Sweeney. He is in this thing as well. Uh, it's certainly going to lean into the gay aspect of this all. Well, it's a Ryan Murphy show. Yeah, there we go. Was uh, Terry Su- it, it's Pat. 
No, Pat is no. Julius Ju- Sweeney. That's Julius Sweeney. Right. Okay. Terry Sweeney was the guy with the. He was with the, during the Robert Downey Jr. year with oh, Anthony wow. Michael Hall. Yeah, and Denitra Vance and all them. That was that. That was that cast. Uh, so uh, I'm excited to see what this does. But I, I initially resisted this trailer because I thought it was going to be. Oh, I get it. The politician. Oh, you're trying to be smart about this. But no, this is actually brilliantly funny. Uh, the colors are incredible. The world looks vibrant uh, and crazy and fun. And I don't know if there's heaven involved with that all white scene. And, and so there's a lot here that uh, to explore. And it looks exciting. So, yeah. All I'm right. Gonna watch it. Then I'm going to go out and celebrate Halloween. Oh, and munch some butt. Ooh, it depends how Halloween goes. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> I'm allowed to say, hey, I have a gay best friend. I'm allowed to say that. <laughs> uh, I'm safe. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's go to Rambo, Last Blood. Um, as I said, when I started uh, uh, this particular section, um, it's odd that you would release a one-minute, five-second teaser trailer before the film comes out on September 20th. Um, but that being said, they definitely understand that they need to lean in more to the old Rambo. And so there's a lot of images from the previous Rambo films in this trailer uh, that kind of mirror what you're going to see in the trailer or in the film, rather. Um, that, that It's exciting. That's exciting. But this does not feel like I, a Rambo movie. Agreed. This feels like uh, Axe to the Head or whatever that one he, that he did with Jason Momoa, uh, Bullet to the Head or whatever. <laughs> yeah, it feels like one of those kind of vehicles for him. And that concerns me because Rambo became, began as an anti-establishment character. Man, this movie, this trailer, it was like Taken without Neeson. <laughs> I mean, it was just like, eh, okay. Yeah. And I do think you're right. I do think that they released that trailer previously. And I think whether they did testing on it or just like word of mouth on it, they yeah. just got back the fact that like everyone was like, this doesn't look like a Rambo movie. So now you have a trailer come out that's virtually the same trailer, mm-hmm. except that they put a bunch of black and white footage from Rambo movies past yeah. over it to be like, see, guys, it's the same thing. I'm like, no, it's still not the same thing. Right. This is not this. This excites me. Not at all. And aesthetically, even in John Rambo, yeah, um, was that what the last one was called? Was it Rambo? Or it was John? just Rambo. Or was, okay, yeah. Um, his hair, yep. His hair is so nice and combed. I'm like, Rambo's always had a little bit of a of a, of a sweaty mullet, uh-huh. and I don't know how a salt and pepper sweaty mullet's going to look, but it's like, yeah, he doesn't look like Rambo. He looks like a rancher, yeah. And maybe that's who Rambo became. But this, right. this movie could have used. Some more Jessica Lang. Oh my God! Some more Bette Midler. Sure. Some more Bob Balaban. Some more sure. talk of uh, butt munching. I mean, you know what? That would be a statement. <laughs> he likes to blow butts if up. They set it, if they set this movie at Halloween, <laughs> <laughs> maybe I'd be more interested. That's all I'm saying. Maybe, maybe, <laughs> Who are you, maybe Rambo? I'd be more interested. Rambo last butt munch. <laughs> oh boy. This is getting dangerous. Yeah. Getting dangerous. yeah You're walking yeah. in the line, yeah. McClung. You can only push so far. You're walking McClung. in the line. What, the, I took it to. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm the last one to say you went over the line, but it feels like you went over the line on that one. Um, yeah. I, and, and being a massive fan of the Rambo franchise, I can defend every single movie in that Rambo franchise. Every, even, even three. Even three, which I own on DVD. Last Blood. I mean, sorry, uh, Rambo Three, which goes into Afghanistan because that fight with him. What's the, the ro- name of Rambo Three? It's just called it's Rambo, just Rambo Three. Yeah, the no, fight. That's he ha- not original. Oh boy, the fight he had was just called Rocky Three too. Um, the fight it's he- called Back to the Future Three. You hated that one. <laughs> no, no, man. There's many reasons for that. Um, no, he goes back with this with three. He the the fight with the Russian, the main Russian guy on. Uh, 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 
in that by that hole in the desert is fantastic. That's great. The iconic image of him, which Charlie Sheen copied on a Loaded Weapon, the second whatever it was, not oh, Hot Shots Part Two. Hot Shots Part Two. Like, all of that is there. He's still a badass, and it has a political commentary about the Mujahideen and Russia in Afghanistan. Once again. Every one of these of his films have a political bent to them. And here's why it doesn't feel like a Rambo film. He's all excited to do this. In every single previous Rambo film, he is reluctant to use his skills to help people or to help himself to do things. He's pushed to the point where he has to finally do it. But these trailers make it seem as if Rambo's uber excited to go after this cartel to save uh, his friend's daughter or whatever. And I'm just like, yeah. I- I don't know that Sylvester Stallone's face allows him to get uber excited anymore. I'm not going to allow you to say that about. I just, I just think, I think he can get like, like surprised. Like his eyes can open slightly. How dare you! But I don't know that they go much bigger than How that. How dare that you! Point. I do not accept this. What you're saying, man. Is cap- Did you see the Creed two? There was a lot of that. It was great in that. That's where all the budget was. It was CGI in his eyebrows. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> He's going to come in here and kick both your asses. And I'm not going to stop him. Uh, I'm not going to stop him. Uh, He's a one-punch machine. <laughs> he doesn't... Cinder block with legs. He's right. He doesn't munch butts. He punches butts. He's, punch He's a butt, butt puncher. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you do it, shit. out September 20th. I'm hoping I get to see an early screening of this. Maybe I'll take one of you two. I imagine it's probably Shannon. I'm going to see it. Okay. Have you seen the other ones? Okay. All right. (laughs) And once again, even the last one was about the Burmese situation and he did not want to get involved, right? So this is I find I'm just troubled by this one because if it's terrible, it's a sad ending to this franchise. Um, All right. Should we jump into our main topic? Let's oh, just, let's just web sling right. in on this and uh, get in it. Let's dive in. <laughs> all right. As I'm sure all of you know, uh, Spider-Man is the hot topic of conversation right now because Sony and Marvel were renegotiating their shared deal of Spider-Man. And apparently Marvel Disney. Oh, Disney I'm sorry. Disney wanted to jump up from their 5% of the box office gross. They were rumored to be jumping up to fit, wanting 50%. And to co-finance the next uh, two Spider-Man films uh, with Tom Holland, Um, uh, uh, Sony balked at that and didn't want it. THR reported that uh, 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 Disney had gone down to as low as 30% with merchandise. Uh, and still, that was not enough for Sony. And now everyone's going crazy saying that Spider-Man is not going to be part of the MCU anymore. Gentlemen, thoughts? Um, really, when I saw the uh, headline to that article, my mm-hmm. heart dropped. There, there have been a handful of times when I've read something on the internet, and just from the article uh, headline, my heart has dropped. Yeah. One was when I saw a test screening review for Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull, oh. when it said, is, is this the Indiana Jones movie you feared? And, <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> the answer is yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> but reading about it, it's so disappointing, and it's so easy. It's, it's easy to quickly p- place blame on one party or the other. Yeah. Um, because, obviously, Sony, what Spider-Man just became, their, their highest-grossing movie mm-hmm. ever. Like it beat it beats Skyfall. It's their highest grossing movie globally ever. Yeah, and out of the and it is also in the uh, the second highest grossing Spider Man movie domestically after the very first Spider Man. So aside from the very first Spider Man, Far From Home made the most of any Spider Man movie. Yeah, it will be disappointing if they are not able to work this out. Now, granted, they announced Phase Four 
Spider-Man not necessarily going to pop up in it. That's a long time. Yeah. And, obvi- and all the stuff, all the details that are leaked out, we don't know everything. Right. So fingers crossed that they are able to work it out because just the way that Far From Home set set the future in motion mm-hmm. for Peter Parker, it will be a shame if we don't get to see that realized. Yeah. Yeah. The, no, go ahead. I want to give a little bit of uh, background with this in terms of uh, yeah, Marvel Studios, and this is from Deadline. Uh, Kevin Feige won't produce any further Spider-Man films because Disney and Sony could not reach new terms. A dispute that has taken place over the past few months at the top of Disney and Sony has essentially nixed Feige and future involvement of Marvel from the Spider-Man universe. There were supposedly two more films in the works. John Watts was not under contract. They were want, they wanted to bring him back to keep this thing going. Tom Holland is under contract for two more uh, movies. Sources said that to, uh, Sony, led by Tom Rothman and Tony Vincicara, came back with other configurations than the 50-50 co-financing deal that Disney proposed. But Disney did not want that. Remember, Disney and Marvel only received 5% of the first dollar gross. And, Mike... If I'm going to resuscitate your dead property, dead property, and make a billion dollars on my second attempt at it, I think I have a right to negotiate for a little bit more on the next two films. I think that's true. I think Disney has every right to negotiate. I also think Sony has every right to say no. I think think the truth of this is is that this is one of those things where a story got leaked out way before the story is done. And I think – if I had to bet money on it, mm. I think it was probably done on purpose. I think that somebody at Disney leaked this out, um, and they did it on purpose because yeah. they know what the reaction would be of, hey, guys, Kevin Feige is not doing more Spider-Man movies, and Tom Holland can't be in the Marvel Universe. Sorry about it. And the internet reacted exactly the way that everybody expected the internet to react right. to that news. And I think that the reason I think that's true is because then if you saw late in the day yesterday, Sony released a statement yes. about 9, 9.30 last night. Basically saying, hey, guys, we're bummed too. We're super sad Kevin Feige can't do it. I guess he's just so busy with all these new brands he's got that he's not going to be able to. We hope it works out, but we don't know what to do. Kind of like blaming the blame very publicly back at Disney's feet. Um, One of the things I think is really interesting is, you know, I was was looking at Twitter today and I was going through everything. And and I think everybody sort of kind of – and it is – Partially because, as we've talked a little bit about here, I mean, Disney is the 600-pound gorilla in the industry right now. And so there was a little bit of like, well, Disney's throwing their weight around. They're bullying everybody. And there's truth to that to a degree. But this idea that Sony was being painted as like the little guy that was getting picked on, I was like, ah. And also, most specifically, in the name that you just mentioned is Tom Rothman. And I think that at the end of the day, where this really – like Tom Rothman, who was at Fox before he was at the chairman of Sony, yeah. um, is behind some of the things that we as geeks hate the most in the world. Yeah. The X-Men uh, movies. The, he is the guy that, that greenlit X-Men 3 out of spite because yep. he was pissed that Brian Singer went to go Batman uh, – went to do Superman Returns. Right. And we saw how that turned out. Yeah. Um, he's the guy that greenlit the Fantastic Four movies. We know how those turned out. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, he's the guy that chose Aliens versus Predator over an Alien 5 script that was rumored to have Ridley Scott and James Cameron returning and said that the Aliens versus Predator movie should happen on Earth, which is not what happened in the comics, which we saw how that turned out. Yeah. Um, he's the guy that wouldn't greenlight a Deadpool movie despite Ryan Reynolds. I mean, so this is not a guy who is any friend of geeks based on his track record of what he's done yeah. to set to most geek movies that when he was at Fox. Um, and then to your point, you look at Sony's track record um, with Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. And 
looking back on them now and looking at what Marvel has done, I mean, I just think it is fair to say that with the exception of Into the Spider-Verse, uh, which, you know, which, which, which they recently released, like they never quite got Spider-Man. I mean, Spider-Man 1 was great for the time because we had never seen Spider-Man on screen. Mm-hmm. Spider-Man 2, for many years, most people held up as like one of the best comic book movies. I think it's a little dated at this point based on where we've been. Spider-Man 3, abject disaster. Yeah. And then the amazing Spider-Man movies, the less said, the better. So, you know, Kevin Feige and Marvel and Disney come along. They say, hey, let's do this. Let's bring him in. Sony wisely takes that deal. Because obviously Marvel's got this track record and bringing Spider-Man into this Marvel universe is a big hit. And it pays off for them. And it pays off for them huge. Also, if they fail with it, Sony isn't failing with it. Marvel is. So go ahead and see what you can do with it. We're cool. Right? Our yeah. Hand. So it's a smart move all around, like you were saying. Um, but, I mean, you know, everyone's getting so, oh, Disney's greedy. Disney's this. Like, I agree with you that I think that at a certain point you go, look, you, you, this is the biggest moneymaker your studio has ever had. Yeah. And you can't deny that we creatively had some stake in this. Now, do I think that going in and saying, hey, we get 50 – we're going from 5 percent of the profits to 50 percent of the profits is the right deal? No. There's a negotiation to be had here obviously. But I do think that by any stretch, like it's very clear looking at both Homecoming and Far From Home how different they are from the previous Spider-Man movies. And it's very clear why they are different and who creatively – is bringing that to the table. Yeah. So, yeah, they do deserve more, I think. And I think that Tom Rothman being what is rumored based on the several r- movies that we've seen in the past, rumored to be kind of a spiteful guy who will make decisions just to stick it to you, I think he's the one that's probably being like, fuck them. This yeah. is the deal. We're keeping this. Yeah. And I just think that even if in the short term, let's say they get John Watts, let's see, you know, with Tom Holland, A, I, both Homecoming and Far From Home are so just on every level tied into the Marvel Universe Uh, that I don't know how you can do a Spider-Man 3 even if you keep the J. Jonah Jameson just outed him because Mysterio gave him the information and everything else like in the absence are we just going to pretend that He's not living in Iron Man's shadow anymore. Right. Like, are we not? Are we not allowed to mention Mister Stark, who made his suit for him? Like, I just, I'm just curious as to where you have to draw that line of what you have to take out of your movie. And I just feel like for most of us who have been watching Peter grow in the Marvel universe, that's just going to feel empty. Yeah. Well, and they talk about that five to fifty jump that that Disney was getting five percent of the profits up to fifty percent, but they were also offering, according to the articles, to co-finance. Uh, Far from Home and Homecoming, Sony financed those films, mm-hmm. as far as I as far as I understand. And Marvel was just essentially in charge creatively. Yeah. So it's not like, hey, we want a bigger slice of the pie for no work. Like, no, we're gonna we're gonna pay for half of it. But that, I think, yeah. But I think that's what it comes down to, Shannon. It's the ego of the studio, right? I, well, you to be fair, means, to be fair, it is the ego of the studios. Obviously, sure, we're a little bit sure, more. Sure, 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 it sure. seems like the three of us are a little bit more on Disney side, but there is a big ego to come in and say, "Hey, your movie would suck without us. Give us half your money." Right. That's True. a big ego. There's also a big ego to say, "Hey, fuck you. Venom made all this money, and we know. I I, I don't think Venom's a good movie either. No. But that is clearly part of. Look, they not only do they have Far From Home, which is their biggest hit, as we said, Spider Verse, huge hit for yes, them. Lord and Miller, Venom. I don't know why, but huge hit for them. Yeah. And I think part of the deal, and I, I'm, I'm not clear because I read a couple different things either way, but I think part of it is Disney not just saying, Disney and Marvel not just saying we want to co-finance and reap the profits of your Spider-Man movies, but I think they were saying the same of 
the Spider Universe. Yes. So that's the Venom movies, the Morbius movies, right. the Silver Sable movies, like anything in that direction. Yeah, Marvel wanted to take them in to use them in Spider-Man movies as well. Now, look, the idea of Kevin Feige and Marvel having a hand in that bigger universe and helping to build it out, build out Spider-Man's universe the way they've built out the Marvel universe and have Tom Holland as Spider-Man be the bridge between that, that's any geek's wet dream. Like, that's what we would all love to see because I think most of us think that even if they get a couple good movies in there, Sony will probably fuck it up. Yep, eventually. I mean, like, they, they, they will. And Marvel's track record has been, you know, 10 years deep of maybe not every movie being uh, uh, an A-plus, but they all work together. If your record is 27-3, and three, you don't focus on the three losses. You focus right. on the 27 victories. Well, and even their losses, and, and that's, right, that's, a, right, you know, that's point. a very liberal use of that term, uh, they still made money. Yeah. And they didn't kill They didn't kill a franchise. If anything, like as Endgame showed us, they made Thor 2 important. Like they they mm-hmm. find a way to make these things that maybe didn't turn out as well as they wanted. They make yeah. them important going forward. Yeah, but uh, when I say the ego, the stu- and I hear you, Mike, the ego, the studio, is sure, certainly, but I think Sony is starting to feel them, is feeling themselves a little bit because of the Venom success. If Venom isn't as successful, I wonder if there's much if there is much of a hard ass about this situation as they seem to be being I, right now. I think now. it's the one two punch of Venom and Spider Verse. Oh yeah, fair Spider Verse, right? I mean, of I think that I think that with Venom they got the financial acclaim. Yeah, and with Spider Verse they got a financial hit, but they also got the critical acclaim. Yeah, um, and so I think they're feeling like they've got it now. Like yeah. thanks, thanks Marvel for showing us the way. Like, get, thanks for giving us a roadmap. We got it from here. But yeah. we got it from we'll here. We'll take it from here. Um, which I think is not accurate. And, uh, I, I, don't think that's, I don't think that's necessarily true. But also, if, you, if I take your property and I make the highest amount of money that your studio has ever made with any movie, that's – you got a little ego there going like, well, we kind of want to make our own movie that leads our pack of movies that is the number one movie that we've made, a uh, box office uh, well, But I think we're really – I think anybody's arguing this because like – I mean so I think that if – obviously the three of us kind of agree on this. Yeah. I think if there were some other people, including people we're friends with, who we've been talking to on Twitter today, mm-hmm. you know, you could argue, well, Disney is the giant monster that's eating Hollywood. Ugh. So they have the biggest ego in the world and they're trying to take back this giant brand and like they have enough brands should Sony keep Spider-Man just to keep it away from Disney because Disney's already owning like 60% of the box office right. and they're going to destroy all of Hollywood. And so in that respect, that is a big ego. I think the difference is there's lots of people that have big egos and sometimes your ego can be backed up with the facts and sometimes it can't. Right. And Disney, whether you like what they're doing or not, and you are valid on either one of those. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to be very careful because I'm obviously a huge Disney nerd. So yeah. obviously I'm pro-Disney. But I think it's fair to say they have an inordinate amount of the box office and it's, it's, it's a lot. Um, but their track record does speak for itself, particularly with Marvel and Kevin Feige. And yeah. Sony's track record, absent of Marvel and Kevin Feige, also speaks for itself, not in a very good way. Yeah. So I think that that, to me, is like the bottom line for me. Now, I, again, I don't think that Sony should have rolled over and just taken Disney's first offer because I don't think that's how deals work. Yeah. And that gets me back to my original point, which is I think this was all premature. Mm-hmm. I do believe that Shannon is right, that based on the phase four rollout of Eternals and Black Widow and the Mar- Disney Plus, shows and everything. Yeah. I feel like we have some time. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like I feel like we've got a little bit of time before Marvel is planning on diving fully into what's going on with Carol Danvers and T'Challa and Peter and everybody else. So hopefully um, 
this was just a little bit. Of, I mean, I think it is on both sides with Sony's uh, announcement on their Twitter feed and this yeah. leak. I think this is uh, deal making in the art of social in the in the age of social media. Yeah. And so I'm hoping that this was just kind of shots fired on both sides. And after everybody's got all riled up, like a week from now, a month from now, six months from now, they're going to say, hey, we figured it out. Yeah. You know, Sony gets a little bit of the consumer products. We're taking 25 percent, not 50 percent. Like it, it'll be something. Yeah. I think it'll end up at 20 to 25 percent. I, I hope you guys are right because I think yeah. I think under normal circumstances with normal egos – Normal Hollywood egos, which are already inflated, um, I think, I think that would be the likely uh, outcome. Mm-hmm. But with the the Rothman factor, the Rothman factor is yeah. scares me. The Iger factor doesn't scare me. Remember, Bob Iger is the one who Eisner had basically poisoned the Pixar relationship. Yeah, I mean they they basically had said, "Fuck you, Pixar. We're going to make sequels to all your hit movies, and you can't do anything about it because we own the underlying IP." Like like Eisner had soured it. And when he left and Iger came in, the first thing Iger did was repair that Pixar relationship and brought brought Pixar into the fold. So I think he is someone who sees the longer game in these things. Oh, yeah. Uh, So the Rothman factor is what scares me because I think he would do it just to spite Disney. Um, But I also think at the end of the day, you have to be a damn fool to – like the upside to being a part of the Marvel Universe right now. Yeah. That's – you're printing money. Well, and the, the delusion, and you can hear this conversation possibly happen in one of these boardrooms. It's not going to last forever. Why should we tie ourselves to something they could just start falling apart next year with the next phase or whatever? Marvel can't keep it going forever. You can hear that argument as a possible counter to them doing this and Rothman going, oh, maybe, yeah, it's not about it. Yeah, yeah. Because this press release that they issued. I thought was really telling if you read between the lines. The fact you mentioned Feige before you mentioned Disney is interesting in the first couple of sentences. The fact that you say, oh, he might, he, he seems like he might be overwhelmed. By, this is a man who just finished 10 years of multiple characters, and you're going to tell me him shepherding Spider Man through this thing is going to exhaust him? Are you in, in fucking insane? This is one of his favorite characters. And so uh, that's, I, I think that's why he resuscitated it correctly because he loves this character. He understands this character. So him being, oh, too many characters are too overwhelmed by putting the X-Men or Fantastic Four into the mix is ridiculous. And I also think the mischaracterization thing is funny because that's them fighting back. Essentially, it's, that's essentially fake news. That's essentially them saying fake news. And I, all of that just reeks of a PR department trying to save face. Well, and despite their spider success, despite the financial windfall of Venom and yeah, critical yeah, windfall sure, sure. of Spider-Verse, they're coming off of a huge disaster in Men in Black. All right, good point. I mean, and if you read some of the articles and believe what the writer is saying, yeah. it's like the studio is kind of like, oh, we don't know. I mean, it seemed like they just I mean, had no idea what to did do. Did I ever tell you guys when I like worked on Spider-Man, uh, Spectacular Spider-Man at Sony, how I had to go to the big all-hands Spider-Man meeting? Oh, no. Let's hear where, the story. Where uh, I got called in because I was the executive on Spectacular Spider-Man. the big meeting? I got sent to the big meeting. Oh, shit. <laughs> I had to go talk to my big, big boss, Steve Mosco, who was the big boss of Sony Television at the time. Right. And he, like, had to give me, he's like, here's what I want you to do. But I had to go give an update on where we were on the TV show. But this is pri- this be after Spider-Man 2, prior to Spider-Man 3. And they had a giant meeting. Amy Pascal led the meeting. Giant board. I mean, this is like the Hollywood meeting you think of. I go into, I go into this giant boardroom. And any person in the company that was touching Spider-Man on any level was in this meeting. 
And you went around and like everybody, you know, okay, well, here's we have this Spider-Man into the dark Broadway musical that we're developing. Oh, Oh, well, here's what we're doing with this. Well, here's what we're thinking of doing. You know, like here's what we're looking at with Spider-Man 3. And like everybody went on the room. And it was it was it was kind of interesting because it was kind of an open forum. So any of us could ask questions and do whatever. And uh, I was told not to ask any questions, just do my presentation. So, of course, then they were like, does anybody have any questions? And I like raised my hand. And I like asked some things about the movie and everybody looked at me like I was crazy. I it was one of those moments where you look around a room and you're like, oh, this is that room where there's a bunch of people working on these brands that we all know and obsess about. And maybe 25 percent of the people in this room know anything about the brand. Wow. And you kind of realize that. And I think you compare. And look, I'm not saying that's what it's still like at Sony. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that the people there are as uh, (laughs) not aware of the (laughs) Spider-Man franchise. Uh, but I, but I do think that when you look at what they were doing without Marvel and Feige's influence, you do kind of feel like they were like, we've got this brand. We know he's like the most popular brand from a consumer product standpoint. We don't know what to do with him. And I remember when I went to the uh, premiere of Civil War, uh, our friend Court Lane, who works for Marvel, uh, Marvel Entertainment took me. And I remember sitting there and just watching the introduction of Peter Parker and just going, holy shit, they got it right for the first time ever. Yeah. Um, and I think that at the end of the day, like we can all argue about does Disney deserve this money? Does Sony deserve this? Is Tom Rothman doing this? What are they doing? And there's a bunch of deal making and we can all argue about Disney's uh, share of Hollywood and everything else. At the end of the day, it is better for all of us yes. if Peter Parker stays in the Marvel Universe. It's a lose-lose. People um, have been saying this for the last couple of days. It's a lose-lose if it goes to Sony and because they might mess it up, or most likely will mess it up, and then we lose them in in the MCU. And the, sad, the thing that's sad about it, like even if they get the next one right, yeah, uh, I don't think they can sustain it. And also, you know, I don't think if you really want to break it down, a Thor franchise outside of the Marvel universe would have gone away. Yep, we would have never gotten to Thor three. They after Thor I two, agree. I don't think they would have. We wouldn't have gotten more of them. Right. Um. And that can be said for a couple of the Marvel franchises. Hell, where, you could argue Iron Man as well. Yeah, with two Iron Man 2 and even Iron Man okay. 3 is okay. But like yeah. Tony Stark, absent of the bigger Marvel universe, I think probably wouldn't have sustained. Yeah. And as good as Tom Holland is as Spider-Man, I don't know that he can sustain four, five, six movies where I think if he's in the Marvel universe, he can. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. And I think that's what's really at stake here is it's not it's not to say that even if even if Sony does everything right, mm-hmm. I think that you have a bigger expiration date on your comic book heroes if they're not part of a bigger universe. And I think at the end of the day, for from a shareholder's perspective, they don't care about the quality of the movies. They want to know that the movies are making money. Right. And if this decision ends up affecting their bottom line going down going forward, mm-hmm. it's like, okay, now Tom Rothman, you might be out on your butt. Right. Um yeah, and at the end of the day, the thing the thing is, what's the right thing for the character, right? And MCU, I, it just doesn't make any sense to take him out of the MCU. I get you might be, you know, like cocky because of the Venom situation, but you start putting him into Silver and Black and Venom two or three and all these other things or uh, Morbius or if, you put, if they start putting Tom Holland. In every single one of his movies, yeah. and he has to show up here. It'll be like Ben Affleck in those Justice League Suicide Squad movies. It's, it's not going to work. It, it'll it'll fall apart. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, look, I think at the end of the day, what's fair is, like I said, I think if they ended up at like a twenty five percent, they pay they pay a quarter of they pay a quarter of the budget, they get a quarter of the profits, yeah. and maybe give up like you know 
10, 15% of consumer products or something like that. I mean, I, I think it, we're going to end up in somewhere yeah. like that, I would bet. Yeah. And then he'll stay around. So I that, hope. That's your, that's your prediction. We'll see if I'm right. Okay. <laughs> One last question about this. Um, there have been these weird battles on social media. Maybe I'm just – they just catch my attention. I'm a bit of – maybe I'm an idiot about this. But I think you're just cruising for a bruising on Twitter. I think, <laughs> I think you log on Twitter. You log on Twitter like somebody who had like – Three or four glasses of whiskey and then just like strolls into the neighborhood bar like ready to pick a fight. (laughs) (laughs) Some days you're not wrong. (laughs) You know, I I mean, I don't I can't even count how many times I've typed out a full tweet in response to something and then deleted it going, no, 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 don't open it. Don't do that. So the ones that I do tweet know that they have, they've gone through a number of layers of defenses before they get the, out there. The, the Roka vetting process. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which is extensive because i got a lot to say about a lot of things. Uh, <laughs> clearly, I have 35 fucking podcasts. the only thing that I could say that you and the president have in common is I can just see you both sitting on your golden toilets just tweeting. <laughs> yeah, except he uses his phone. I've got to stand for my laptop. Did right? you take to the bathroom with him? Oh, you? yeah. Are you kidding? Of course. Oh, this... This is a, this this has just really solidified my image of all of this. Oh yeah, that's why I love my girlfriend. She's okay with it. I bring my laptop into the computer on a stand with my headphones on. Oh god, it's a pure it disappears for days. Completely, oh, god. it's a fifteen minute experience. It's fantastic. Um, I've been seeing anyway. Let me get to my goddamn point. Anyway, I've been seeing on Twitter that people have been. Some people have been, and I wonder if they're trolling. But some people have been saying like, "Oh, people slept on Spider Verse. People be sleeping on Spider Verse because it didn't make as much money as the live action Spider Man's." And I found this to be what? Yeah, there's a number of people who are trying to create this kind of drama, saying that the fans who didn't go see Spider Verse at the same numbers that they went to go see the live action movie are somehow sending a message that this uh, great Spider-Man is not what they want. And I, I'm just shocked by this. And some people are trying to get... I think they're. Tr- I think that they're trolling. But a lot of people... Res- it gets a shit ton of responses when people post about this blaming fans for sleeping, quote-unquote, on Spider-Verse. What, what is to blame, though? Like, what is the downside? Like, Spider-Verse... One on Oscar. Right, but they're saying and it, it didn't make $750 million like sure, Amazing but Spider-Man. most animated movies don't. Exactly. And here's my thing on... Oh, That's why I think it's stupid. Here, here's what I think about... Like, I think that studios want movies to make a ton of money. Yes. Studios want uh, to make a ton of money so that they have great... You know, they can get their investors to, like, be happy and everything else. I only care if a, money, if a movie does well financially insofar as, like, will they make more movies? Right, like, like I want if I'm, if I love a movie, I want it to be a big hit because I hope that it gets greenlit to make another movie to yeah. make another movie. They're making a sequel. Yes, it's happening. Yeah, yeah. So it's like there's no one to complain. Like, like if they had, if Spider Verse had come out and we had all said, "Holy shit, this is the greatest movie! It's an animation revolution. It's good." And like three people went to see it and they yeah. were like, "Well, that failed." Okay, fair, but it's it's an Oscar winning movie. Yeah, yeah. That's yep. just that's just troll Twitter garbage. Uh, uh, good. I wanted to see if I was you know off base on this because obviously not a lot of animated feature films make a shit ton of money. I mean, animated superhero films right. make the money that Spider Verse does or receives the acclaim that Spider Verse does. So, um, one last thing: uh, Do you think Amy Pascal over there at Universal, having negotiated the original deal for Spider Man with uh, Disney and Marvel, is watching this situation play out? Um, thinking about Incredible Hulk, thinking about Namor the Submariner, which they have the rights to, 
Universal and wondering if maybe if they if this deal doesn't work out, she can slide in with Hulk and she can slide in with Namor and create a separate uh, deal with them like she did with uh, Spider-Man. How does the Hulk deal work? Universal has a distribution. Yeah. Got it. So if it's a if it's a solo film, it is a universal film. Yeah. Got it. Much like so. But they but they've given Marvel permission to use him in It's not a permission. Like uh, uh, the the way that as I understand it, the way that the contract works is uh, Marvel can use Hulk in any fashion, but he they cannot make a Hulk movie. Right. Got and, it. and it's the same way with uh, without, Submariner. Without Universal's involvement. So yes. they could so they could put Submariner in Fantastic Four, but they, they can't make a Submariner movie. As I, as I understand, right, yes, right, right. I don't think Marvel cares. Oh, you don't, you don't think they care? Okay. I don't think. Look, I think that they're. I think they want to do a Hulk movie. I think they would want to do a Hulk movie, but I think they're also perfectly happy to have Hulk show up where he shows. I mean, they clearly Certainly. get a lot of use out of him. Yeah. And I don't know what they're going to use Namor for, aside from being a villain in Fantastic Four and then yeah. being a bigger part of the Marvel universe. So I don't think Marvel is clamoring for those two to get their solo movies the way that they. Obviously, want Spider Man because Spider Man is the most popular character in the world. Yeah, you know, like I think yeah. that, but I do think that Amy Pascal is sitting over there watching it because I, I did read some stuff. I mean, I think she had said early on when this whole deal happened between Sony and Disney and Marvel, she said that studios kind of sharing in the creative, the creative and the finances rarely ever happens. Yeah. and that I think she literally even said like I don't know if this goes beyond one or two movies. Like she said, you yeah. know, like I and I do think that probably. She's over Universal watching all of this and going, yeah, like she was a little bit of the glue. Yeah. Like like whatever you want to say about Amy Pascal, good or bad, like she is really good. She's a really good people person. Uh, actors love her. Producers mm-hmm. love her. Like she's got that going on. And I think she probably was pretty integral to bringing everybody to the table yeah. and making that happen. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, that with without a – Without her directly there doing it and being on top of everything every day, yeah. we're now getting more of the Rothman. Without being the cooler head yeah. in the room. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, that's our uh, Geek Buddies episode this week. Really appreciate you all listening to us and downloading this podcast to all our friends who listen to us. Thank you for downloading the podcast. Thank and, you. And sending us each uh, texts every once in a while. Tell us how much you enjoy the show. means a lot. To those of you who are not our actual in real life friends, but who are our buddies. Thank you so much for listening to us and downloading this podcast as well. Uh, Michael, what do you want to tell them? Um, listen, guys, I want you to put on your, uh, I want you to put on your web slingers. I want you to web sling over <laughs> to wherever your laptop is. I want you to open it up. I want you to thwip, thwip some comments on there. Thwip, thwip us some stars. Uh, let us know how much you like us. Let us know what you think of us. Let us know what you don't like about us. Yeah. Like, just give us comments. Give Absolutely. us ratings. Like, let's get a conversation going. Uh, we love to read what you guys say. Uh, so far, you've been very, very kind. So yes. we appreciate that. And the more comments you leave, the more ratings we get, the more it goes up in the lists, and the more people will spot us and come and take a listen. So we really want that to happen. We also want you to retweet us, post us on Facebook, tell everybody to listen to these stupid guys that you like to hear talk about geeky movie stuff. <laughs> like, like, let's just uh, let's just the more the merrier. Yeah, and if you would like to follow us on social media, on Twitter, it's at geek underscore buddies. On Instagram, at the underscore geek underscore buddies. If you'd like to follow me personally on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung. On Instagram, at Shannon the Geek Buddy. Uh, And Mike, where can they find you? At MKToon on Twitter and Instagram. 
And you can find me at the Roca says on Twitter and on Instagram. And, uh, you know, share and retweet this uh, show. It's really important to do that. That's what I just said. Did you? (laughs) Did you say? Oh. (laughs) Oh. Oh, my God. (laughs) All right, Disney. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Disney. (laughs) Well, that's the show. So thanks, everybody, for listening to us. Uh, And we will see you next time on The Geek Buddies. Hey! Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.